Thank you very much. We just started the uh, yesterday, and this coming Shabbos we'll be doing the second parak, the second Mishnah, and the second parak in Avos. The Tanoim tell us that the person shouldn't think that he should only learn. The person has to make a parnosa. That's the simple translation of the recheretz. A person gets knocked out, knocked out from learning Torah and from working for a living. So when he, when he has too much time on his hands, if a person only learns, this will lead to sin. And if a person is busy making a parnasa, so this will knock him out a little bit more than just learning Torah, and this will prevent him from sinning. That's the simple translation of the Mishnah. The Gemara in Brachas, in the beginning of Perikates uh, Mavarchem, presents an interesting dispute among the Tanoim. We know in the uh, Brais of Rabbi Shmuel where it lists off the Yud Gimel Mishat Torah and So the last one, the concluding midrash, next to the Mamakrishim says, If you have two psukim that seem to be contradictory, uh, then if you have a third pasuk that resolves the contradiction, so you follow the third pasuk and you interpret the two psukim based on the third pasuk. What do you do if you have Shnik Suvim Mamakrishim says, and there is no Kosov Ashlishi Shachriy Beneim? So this is a machloikis satanaim in Hilchas Midrash Atar and You have this machloikis, you have this dispute in Beitzah, where the Gemara says uh, that there seem to be two contradictory psukim the way one is supposed to observe Yomtev. One pasuk describes Yomtev at Seres we should eat and drink and be merry. The other pasuk describes Yomtev at Seres Lachem we should dedicate the day to Hakadosh Baruch So this is a contradiction, and there is no kasher Ashlishi Shachri so the Gemara calls Machlekes Reb and Reb Yeshua. How do you deal with a, a situation of Shnei Ksuvah Makhish Mzezeh to contradict Mzezeh? There is no Kosva Shlish. So Reb understands that Okul Hashem Okul Either you spend the whole day learning and davening, and yet and you you don't have elaborate meals. You just eat uh, uh, Cheerios for breakfast, whatever tuna fish sandwich for lunch. You eat briefly. Okul Olachem. Or you spend the whole day eating and drinking and making merry and just daven bekitzah like on a regular weekday. This is the opinion of Rabbi Lezer. Rabbi Lezer's opinion is usually not the accepted opinion. The Gemara says Rabbi Lezer Shamute, who he was from the Beishama, he had a different view. And we rarely pass like Rabbi Lezer. So we pass like Rabbi Shua, that when you have a shnei ksuvim amakrishim if there's no kosel ashlishi to indicate how to make a compromise, so you use your common sense and you use your seichel and you make your own compromise. So we pass on like Rabbi Shua that Chalkehu Chetzil Hashem Chetzil Hashem. When you have Shnei Ksiv Makrishim Zazeh, so you make your own compromise. So such a similar machloekis appears in Brachas and Daflam and Hanibes. One pasuk says, "Hagisa b'yom v'loil." It's a pasuk in Yeshua. It's supposed to learn all day and all night. The simple translation of the pasuk. The other pasuk says, "In Kriyashma v'yasafta b'ganecha v'sirosh chavitzarecha." That people are working for a living and making a parnasa. So how do you fulfill the two pesukim? There is no cause of Ashlishi So, just like similar to Rabbi Lezer's opinion, that it's whenever you have Shnei Sudim Amakishim Zezeh, we assume La Locha, Okula Lashem Akul Lachem. So, here the Gemara quotes Rabbi Shimon Baichoi, the author of the Zohar, Rabbi Shimon, that he's of the opinion, like, uh, like Rabbi Lezer, that Bisban Shosim and Tzanu Shamakam, it's either one Pasuk or the other. There's no way of blending in the two together. So they're not supposed to be working for a living. They're supposed to be learning all day and all night, and the uh, man will fall down from heaven, and the, you don't have to worry about panos. 
And the other pasuk that speaks about Vasafta Diganacha, that's Vizvanshayin Esim Etzana Shemakim. If you're not on the highest Madrega, then, then in a certain sense you're sinning, you're doing wrong by uh, going to work and, and earning a livelihood. And that's not the accepted opinion. We, just like we Paskan like Rabbi Yeshua, with respect to the question as to how to observe Yantav, we Paskan Chalkeh, Chetzal Hashem, Chetzal Hashem. Similarly over here, with respect to this apparent contradiction in the two Pesukim, so the Gemara says that uh, Rabbi Shmuel disagreed with Rabbi Shimon Baichot, and he says the two Pesukim you have to figure out on your own to blend in together to make up Shah, like Chalkeh over there, Chetzal Hashem, Chetzal Hashem. So Rabbi Shmuel says over here also, Hanig Bahem Minik Darcheretz. You have to learn every free minute that you have uh, free time. But it's self-understood. You have to work for a living. Everybody has to make up on us. And when you have free time, you have to learn. The Gemara has a historical comment as a footnote after they quote this Machlekes. And the Gemara says, Harbe Osuk Rabbi Shimon Baichoy. Many attempted to follow the position of Shimon Baichoy. Learning all day and all night and not working for a living. The Gemara says, Veloy also be odd. They were not successful. Many people followed the position of Bishmal, but also the Ottoman. They were successful in life. They made a Parnassa, and they learned at the same time. The Rab Chaim Alojana has a comment uh, based on this. Uh, um, He says, when when he comes and he says in Nefshachim, he talks about learning, the importance of learning. So he says, when the Gemara has this comment, the Gemara is not saying Reb Shemba's policy is ridiculous. He says it's not a good policy for the mass. It's Harbe. If you have a Chidei Skula, if you have a small select group of people, a small percentage of the population, so for them, okay, it's good that they should try to learn all day and all night, not work for a living. The community should support them. That's why the Gemara uses the Lashon Harbi Yosek Rabbi Shmuel, but also Biyodim as a as a policy for the masses. We should follow Rabbi Shmuel. Harbi Yosek Rabbi Shmuel Chayvelay also Biyodim. Such a policy is not shy for the masses. So based on that comment of Rabbi Chaim Valoshin and the Sefer Nefshachayim, Rabbi Valos Alvechik has a little uh, interesting Sefer on Chumash. So he quotes this from Rabbi Chaim Valoshin, and he says he thinks that this answer is another kasha. He quotes uh, the Pnei Yeshua is bothered with a kasha. Uh, the Gemara in Erevin sounds like it says that there were two Tanoim who were the two people who had two different names and really they were the same person. That's the premise of the Pneshu. The Gemara says that Rab Meir is the same person as Reb Nahoroi. Truth of the matter, if you look in the Gemara in Erevin, it doesn't exist. The Gemara doesn't say that. The Gemara says something else over there. But, uh, but that's the way the Pneshu read the Gemara. That Rabbi Nahoroi and Rab Meir are the same person. So the Pneshu, assuming that it's the same person, is bothered with Akasha, there seems to be a contradiction between the passages that are quote, the quotations in the same Masechah's Kiddushin, in one place, in the end of the Masechah, the Gemara quotes Rav Meir saying one thing, and the other place they quote Rav Nahoroi saying another thing, and they contradict each other. In one place, Rav Nahoroi says that a father is obligated to teach his child to make a living. He has to teach him to make a parnasa. In other words, he's for making a living. In the other place, Rav Meir says, Naniyah Shabbat I will ignore all kinds of parnasa. I'm going to teach my son only Torah. But Reb Meir is the one who said, Reb Nahiroi, Reb Meir, if you assume it's the same individual, he's the one who says that a father is obligated to teach his son a parnasa. So this is the kasha that Pnei Shur was bothered with. So Rab Velvel, the says that based on what Rab Chaim says, the contradiction is not so difficult. As a policy for the masses, Reb Meir says, every normal father is obligated to teach a normal child to make a parnasa. 
But the Yechidah's gula, if you know that your child is extremely talented, he's talking cut out for learning. Okay, so mimechani kolum neshevoylam, benim malamin is biniyatur. If you have a select group of a small percentage of the population, they're really cut out for learning all day and all night. So see to it that your son should sit and learn. That's what Abelbala Soloveitchik uh, suggests to answer the kasha of the Pneishu. Based on this comment of Prime Valojan. The Pashtas is, the Gemara in Bob Metziah has a famous comment on the Pasuk and Pashtas Yisro, when Yisro is uh, explaining to Moshe Rabbeinu how he should run his business, how he should be the leader of the Jewish people. So he says they should set up, sorry Allah, and sorry Meir, sorry Hamish, and sorry Asaras. Moshe Rabbeinu can't sit all day and all night. Min HaBreker Ahre Erev, and Paskin all the Shabbos, he's going to get exhausted, and the people are standing, Min HaBreker Ahre, the people are going to get exhausted. It doesn't make any sense, the system as it's being run. He says he should set up all of these uh, Bati Dinim and they should pass the most of the Shilas. And Moshe Rabbeinu should be Vahaydaita Lahemes Adderach Yelchabavas Amas Asher Yasun. So the Gemara in Bava Metziah interprets Vahaydaita Lahem is a reference to Zubais Chayehim. What does it mean Zubais Chayehim? So Rashi in Bava Metziah interprets Rashi in other places learns differently. But Rashi in Bava Metziah says that Moshe Rabbeinu should preach to the people, each person, to teach him which Parnasa he should go into. The Rebbe is supposed to teach, Moshe Rabbeinu was the biggest Hamachach, he was the big Rosh Hashiva, he was teaching Torah. But in addition to teaching Torah, Yisra tells his son-in-law, the means, you have to tell each person what field he should go into. And the Gemara says that uh, in Kiddushin, the Gemara we mentioned, he found Avchavtes, the Gemara quotes a price to all of the obligations the father has towards his children. So the father is obligated if he has a baby boy, he's obligated to see to it that the baby has a bris. And if it's the firstborn, he's obligated to see to it that they perform a pidyon aben on the baby. Then the Gemara says he's obligated the Torah to teach him Torah, the or Isha, or the lambda umnis. So the Gemara says, how do you know that the father has an obligation the lambda umnis? So the Gemara quotes the Pesach in Kohelis, Reichai Memo Isha Shohafto. So the Gemara understands Rechayim means to make a Parnasim, Hoisha means the Torah. In addition to learning Torah, the father has to teach his child uh, Parnasim. It's self understood. Every child, unless your child is so talented that he's really cut out, he's from those, that small select group is only cut out for learning, okay? So only teach him uh, Torah. But uh, by normal children, there is an obligation to teach the child to make a Parnasim. The Gemara makes a sharp comment that a father who doesn't teach his child uh, an umness of Parnasim, is Kilo Malam Delistius, as if he's teaching his child how to be a gangster, how to be a Ganav. How is a child going to make a living if the father doesn't train him in anything? So the state is going to have to be a crook, he's going to have to cheat on uh, lunch programs, and uh, there's so many ways he can cheat from the government. So if you don't teach a child to make a Parnas, he's going to be stealing from the government and stealing from other people. We have a Gemara in Shabbos, and Daf Yutesim and Aleph, where the Gemara has a famous din, Eimach Ligim Misfina, Gimel Yomim Samach Shabbos, you're not allowed to go on a cruise on a pleasure cruise uh, left three days before Shabbos usually assume that it means Wednesday, Thursday, Friday others interpret that it means Thursday and Friday not Wednesday so the, why what's wrong with going on a cruise Wednesday, Thursday, Friday so the different interpretations of the Gemara what the problem is but then the Gemara says Bryce says by this prohibition against starting on a long cruise is going to be a couple of weeks this prohibition only applies if the fellow is going to for pleasure with Dvar Hashus but if he's going to the Mitzvah, then he's permitted to start the cruise even if it begins on Thursday and Friday. What's an example of a Dvar Mitzvah? Let's say he's going to take care of Pidin Shvun. He's going to go learn in a yeshiva or something. So in Shulchan Aruch, the Rambo gives an example. He's going to a Parnasa. Parnasa is considered a Dvar Mitzvah. 
it doesn't necessarily mean that it's taka mitzvah, a mitzvah to make a parnasah. The Ramah explains what it means. The prohibition against leaving three days before Shabbos, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, is only if it's on a pleasure cruise. Parnasa is not for pleasure. So it doesn't necessarily have to be formulated that Parnasa is a mitzvah. But that's the way the Rishonim say Parnasa is a mock mitzvah. means it's not, it's not stam, uh, for pleasure bialma. That's an obligation that a person has. A person is obligated to make a Parnasa. We have an interesting pasuk in Parshas B'Shalach when the man was coming down. So uh, the man came down every morning on a Friday, a double portion came down and the people were wondering what is this all about. So Moshe Rabbeinu tells them, Every day they should collect the man and a Friday, Shabbos, the man, Shabbos and Yantav, the man is not going to fall down. Every Shabbos, every Yantav, a double portion will fall down and everyone should collect the double portion. So the expression used by the pasuk is, That's how Moshe Rabbeinu says it over. So there is a comment, uh, Rashi quotes from the Tanoi, from the Sifrei, in the beginning of Parshas Matos, that all of the prophets, including Moshe Rabbeinu, sometimes introduce their prophecy with the phrase, Ko Amar Hashem. Moshe Rabbeinu sometimes says, Ko Amar Hashem, several times. Moshe Rabbeinu introduces the prophecy that he delivers with the phrase, Ko Amar Hashem. And it's a very common expression in the Nevi'im. But Moshe Rabbeinu had a higher level of prophecy than the other Nevi'im, so once in a while he will introduce his prophecy with the phrase, Zehadavar Shetziv Hashem. Zehadavar is a higher madrega. The Gemara says, Moshe Rabbeinu's Nevuah was Basketlori Hamir, a higher level of Nevuah, and that's why he's the only one who can introduce the prophecy by saying, Zehadavar Shetziv Hashem. So what is the significance of Zehadavar? Why is that a higher madrega of Nevuah? So Rashi doesn't explain. Rashi just quotes it from the Sifrei. So the uh, Kedusha Slavi is a Sefer Bar Ablevi Yitzchak Bar So he has a comment on that, on that Rashi. I remember once on Shabbos Parshas Matas, I was uh, in the summertime, I was with Rav Soloveitchik, so I told him over this Kedusha Slavi. So I said, does anybody agree? He said, yeah, that's standard. All, all the Kabbalah sources say this following shot. Nothing unique to the Kedusha Slavi. So the Kedusha Slavi gives the following shot. He says, the other Nevi'im had a chazon, a halom, a vision. They saw like a video. They saw a movie and they had to interpret what they had seen using their own terminology, using their own language. As the Gemara says, Einstein, the is not Signarecha. Even HaKadosh Baruch shows the same vision, the same Marahanavut to two different prophets, but each one will describe it slightly differently because people, each person has his own language. Hashem came Moshe Rabbeinu, his prophecy was sometimes direct dictation. Pel, pel, dabapo, omar, Sometimes Moshe Rabbeinu had a chazon and a chalom and a mara. Sometimes he had a vision which he interpreted using his own words, using his own language. And sometimes Moshe Rabbeinu had direct dictation. So that's when it means this is direct dictation that HaKadosh Baruch is giving to Moshe Rabbeinu. So the Kedushas Levi comes to explain, so when did Moshe Rabbeinu have the same level of prophecy as the other Nevi'im? And when did he have direct dictation? So he says, if you look in the Chumash, all of the places where it says Koyam Hashem were just Tohiru Ashur. Koyam Hashem Kachatzos Alayla Ani Atzei B'Sef Mitzrayim. That's not one of the six hundred and thirteen mitzvahs. Moshe Rabbeinu is just delivering a prophecy that Makas Bucharis will occur at midnight. So whenever Moshe Rabbeinu is saying over in Avua, a plain Avua that's only Haru Ashur, something of a temporary nature, not one of the Tariyak mitzvahs. His level of prophecy was the same as that of the other Nevi'im. Only when Moshe Rabbeinu was giving over the Tariyak mitzvahs Atar, is giving over Dinam Ledoras. So that's not called Nevoah, that's called Torah. So whenever Moshe Rabbeinu was given Torah, Torah mitzvah means those dinim that apply throughout all the future generations. 
So then he was given direct dictation, then he introduces the prophecy, the Nebuah, with the terminology, This is direct dictation. So here you have the Pasuk is speaking about collecting the Mon. The Mon is not a Din Ladurst. The Mon only, only fell in the desert for 40 years. So how come it says over here, Every morning everyone should pick up the Mon. And on Shabbos there isn't going to be, Shabbos Yantav, there isn't going to be any Mon. So everyone should pick up a double portion. That's not a Din Ladurst. So doesn't this Pasuk contradict the whole shot of the Gdusha slave? It says, Zehadavar. Then it says, Further, Hashem. And Rashi writes on the opening Pasuk in Parshas Tzav, Rashi again quotes from the Tanoim, from the Sikra, Ein Loshem Tzavar, Loshem Ziruz, Miyad, Uladaris. The terminology of mitzvah, the word mitzvah only applies if it's a mitzvah, Hanoheges, Uladaris. The Ramah writes in the Sefer Mitzvahs, he wants to list up what in his opinion constitute the six hundred thirteen mitzvahs. So the Ramam has fourteen klolim, fourteen uh, fourteen shoroshim, the fourteen guiding principles that determine what belongs in the minyan mitzvahs and when not, which not. So the Ramam says you only include mitzvahs that annoyed ludoris. When Moshe Rabbeinu was commanded, Haremis matcha alayam that he should pick up his uh, his uh, cane and make a kriyas yamsu. That was once in the history of the world when the Jewish people were commanded to knock on the next the neighbor's doors. The Erev Pesach and ask for Matanis before it's yes and so on. That was once in the history of the world. So that's not included in the listing of the 613 mitzvahs because the terminology of mitzvah only applies if it's a mitzvah Hanahagis Lederis. So you have a few places in the Chumash where you seem to have exceptions to the rule. You have the expression mitzvah, sivah, uh, appearing in the Pasuk, which is clearly Harosha. So this is one of them. Moshe Rabbeinu commands the Jewish people they should collect the man every morning and on Erev Shabbos they should take a double portion. The whole story with the man is only Hayrashua. It only came down to 40 years in the desert. There is no man Ladoira. So how can I have the double expression Zehadavor means that Moshe Rabbeinu got direct dictation. Why? This is not a Din Ladoris, it's only Hayrashua. Then it says Zehadavor HaShetziv Hashem. The two expressions that imply that this is a Din Ladoris both appear over here it's clearly not a Din Ladoris. So I thought the answer perhaps is to be found in a Ramban in his commentary on the Sefer Mitzvahs. The Rambam gives his listing of the Tariyad Mitzvahs and he's, he wasn't the first and he wasn't the last to make a listing of the Tariyad Mitzvahs. So the Rambam disagrees a lot with the Sefer Halachas Gedolus which was written in the period of the Gaonim before the days of the Rambam who has his own listing of the Tariyad Mitzvahs. So the Sefer Halachas Gedolus counts as one of the 613 Mitzvahs the Mitzvah of Trumas Ameches. It says in, in the end of Chumash Midbar, when they waged the war against Midian, so the uh, soldiers donated Echad uh, Mechamesh from the Behemoths and from everything that they, that they uh, all the loot that they uh, succeeded in taking at the end of the war. And the Klaalisol had to give Echad Mechamishim. Everyone had to donate uh, to the Beis Amigdash. So the Sefer, Allah's Gedolus, counts this as one of the 630 mitzvahs. Whenever you win a war, so there's a mitzvah to give a certain percentage to the Beis Amigdash. So the Rambam laughs at the, Rambam makes fun of the Sefer, Allah's Gedolus. The Gemara said, the Ferish, in the end of Menachas, that that was only Harasho. It's not a din that applies to the Doris. Whenever the Jewish army is successful in battle, whenever they win a war and they take a lot of loot, they're obligated to donate a certain percentage to the Beis Amigdash. So it's clearly only Harasho. So why did this Sefer Allah's Gedolus count this in the Minyan HaMitzvah? So the Ramban comes to defend Allah's Gedolus. So he makes a suggestion. He says, maybe the only time the Allah's Gedolus agrees with the Ramban. Whatever is only Harashur doesn't belong in the Minyan HaMitzvah. So the Allah's Gedolus is not going to count Haremis Matchalayam of Kohehu. Then Moshe Rabbeinu should pick up his staff 
and accomplish Kriyas Yamsa. That was once in the history of the world. He's not going to count the mitzvah that everyone should knock on the next door neighbor's doors and Eric Pesach of Itzias and Sarnes That was again once in the history of the world. But he is going to count this mitzvah, the Halachas Gedolos, does count the mitzvah of Trumas Amechas to give a certain percentage to the Beis Amigdosh because even if there wouldn't be such an obligation, but if you, whenever you donate something to the Beis Amigdosh, there's always a Kiyam mitzvah. You're doing, you're doing a mitzvah l'doris of donating things to the base of mitzvah. So true, l'doris is no obligation, but if you have a hayra shor, which obligates you to do something which is a kiyom ha-mitzvah l'doris, so the Allah has is of the opinion that that qualifies to be included in the listing of the 613 mitzvahs. So perhaps that's the answer over here as well. True, this pasuk in Parshish B'Shalach about collecting the mon every morning, in accordance with how many people in the family, you have a husband and a wife and they have nine children, so the father of the household should go out and pick up 11 portions, the father and the, wife, the husband and the wife are two, and the nine children say he should pick up 11 portions of man, an oimer lagulgerlis, an oimer for each one of them, he should pick up 11 times oimer lagulgerlis, every day, and on Friday and on Erev Yantav he should pick up 22 portions, double portion, lechem mishnah. True, this is only hayrashah, but maybe what the Pasuk is telling us is that this is, there is a din l'deris over here. Din l'deris is that every father of a household is obligated to have a parnasa. He's obligated to, to supply food to all the people in his home. The Gemara has a din. The husband is to make a parnasa and see to it that his wife is taken care of. The Gemara talks, so maybe that's why, even though this was clearly only harashah, about collecting the mon and not collecting the mon on Shabbos and collecting the double portion of the mon on Erev Shabbos. Everything was purely Hayrashah. But this is a Hayrashah, but there is a Kiyom Ladoris. There is something Ladoris over here, namely that every father of every household, one member of the family is Mukhib. Now, if they both work for a living, if, if one works for a living, they make enough money to supply everybody in the family with putting food on the table and clothing and you you don't need everybody to work. So the obligation that one person in the family has to earn a living and supply food on the table, that is a din l'deris. The Gemara in Bobabasra has a famous comment in Perikir Shnechon. The Gemara says that A person should always take a job. The Gemara, the Gemara says that there were those who misunderstood this memory. They thought you should, you should hire yourself out to work for Avodah Zorah. Gemara says, no, Avodah Zorah just means a job, a strange job that you're not cut out for. Like in Eretz Yisrael years ago in the 1920s, they used to insist on Avodah Ivrit. You're not allowed to have Avodah Zarah. You're not allowed to have any Arabs working for you. So that's what it meant in the 19th, Avodah Zarah as opposed to Abu Dadrit. So that's what the Gemara says over here. But there were those who misunderstood historically, there were those in the days of the Tanakh who thought that this tradition, the Yolim Yaskirad Mulla means to be taken literally. It's better, it's preferable to work for an Abu Dizar, to work for a church, rather than to live off of charity. So that's not correct, the Gemara says, but a person should even take a job that's Zarat to him, that's strange to him. He should collect, uh, be a garbage collector or whatever, be a mailman, uh, whatever Parnas it is. And the Gemara, in that context, has the famous statement that a person should always have a parnasa, even if it means to skin nevelis, netosh nevel to beshuko, or agra, go work, even if it's a menial job, even if it's a bizoin dika job, in order to make a parnasa, shkol agra, beloitema, you shouldn't say, gavarabana, ama, ama, big tamatrochem, kahanana, ama, koyin, it's a bizoin to the Torah and it's a bizoin to the Kuna that I should go get such a job to be a garbage collector. The Gemara says, no, it's better to be a garbage collector and it's not a bizoin on Torah and it's not a, a bizoin to the Kuna. 
It's a design to the kuna. If you're going to live off of charity, it's better that a person should work for a living. This attitude that uh, it's looked down upon to work for a living, this is from the Greek philosophers. They had the attitude, this is not a Jewish attitude. The Greek philosophers had the attitude that menial labor is only for slaves. And free men are not supposed to do any menial labor. In fact, uh, Rav Soloveitchik used to speak about this in his public uh, addresses in the yeshiva, that the Greek philosophers didn't believe in experimentation. So rather than learn science based on experimentation, they would philosophize how come uh, fire goes up and how come water goes down and how come water extinguishes fire, why doesn't fire extinguish water? Well, so everything they would philosophize and they never believed in experimentation. And our rabbis and our Tanaim always insisted on experimentation. There's nothing wrong with menial labor. There's nothing wrong with uh, uh, Rav Salvechi with single out the Gemara and Brachas that says about David HaMelech. David HaMelech says, look at all the other kings. They all sit in fancy thrones and they won't dirty their hands with anything. And I'm the king of the Jewish people. The women come with Shilas. Hilchas uh, Nidan. You have to look at Ashmata to see if it's a Maritame. You have to look at a uh, at a fetus that's dead to determine whether it has a tzura sablad or not. You have to make an air. You have to make an air. You have to go into mud. You have to climb up on a tree. You have to rip your trousers. You have to get your shoes dirty. You have to do a lot of things. A lot of menial labor. Uh, the Jewish people always believed in uh, in working. This attitude of not working. This is something that came from the non-Jews, from the Greek philosophers. This is not a Jewish. This is not a Jewish idea. Of course, the what's that person makes up his mind? He doesn't want to work for a living. So my mukhiv is that a mitzvah tzedakah? My mukhiv to give him tzedakah. It is all sugim babakama and avzayim and alaf. The more discusses uh, a person has assets, a person has real estate, and he can't sell it now. If he sells it, he'll lose a fortune of money. Is he entitled to collect tzedakah or not? So the Torahs points out that the whole premise, the whole theme of the whole Gemara is based on the assumption that there's only a mitzvah of Zdokeh if it's not his fault that he's an Oni. If it's all his fault that he made himself an Oni, he made a decision, he doesn't want to work for a living. I also don't want to work for a living. I'd rather retire and I also let them support me. So the Torahs shows that the premise of the Gemara is that I'm not Mokhiv, there's no mitzvah to give Zdokeh to the other fellow if it's his fault that, uh, that he doesn't have any money. Sometimes we can understand that there is a mitzvah. Let's say... A fellow is a medical student, a fellow is a law student. So he wants to study for a couple of years, wants to work his head off studying for a couple of years to become uh, uh, knowledgeable in his field. And then after he graduates and he gets his degree, he'll become a doctor, become a lawyer, whatever, and then he'll be able to make a decent living. So that's not unreasonable in, uh, in America, in the whole world today. That's not considered unreasonable that for a couple of years, someone should support him. Uh, if he can't get a loan, okay, if he can't get a loan. So that's not unreasonable that his parents or his in-laws should support the same is reasonable regarding Torah as well. Let's say a person wants to learn in the yeshiva for a couple of years in order to become a big uh, Torah scholar, in order to function as a rabbi in Chinuch or Rabban, so that's fine. That's the same as a, a law student or a medical student. So uh, it's not unreasonable they should ask for a little assistance temporarily uh, till he completes his uh, studies, but that a person should want to be supported for the rest of his life. He wants to sit and learn, he doesn't want to work for a living. So Taisus says that's the premise of the Gemara, that you're not mukhayif to give tzedakah to such a person. It's his own fault that he's poor. I have one son-in-law who's an Israeli who learned in Merkaz Harav many years. He was a Rebbe in a yeshiva there in Eretz Yisra. So 
he says that uh, those who remember Rabbi Brom Shapiro used to be the Rosh Hashim in America, so Ram, he used to be the former chief rabbi of Eretz, so he had a very sharp sense of humor. He was a big kibitz, it was a big joke. So he says the students in America, so Rav, yes, Rabbi Brom, uh, they have people in Eretz, so that all day long they shnar money. So they asked uh, the Rosh Hashim the Mukhif to give him uh, tzedakah, is there a chiv of tzedakah? So he said to them that it says in Shulchan Aruch that uh, there's only a chiv to give tzedakah to an ani. One is an ashir, uh, no mitzvah to give tzedakah. What's the definition of an ashir? So there are two definitions. One is either the person has a steady income, or if the person has so much money, if he doesn't have a job now at all, but he has a certain amount of money in the bank, enough money to live for one year. So he says, these guys have a steady income. You're not they're ashir. You're not to give them tzedakah. You're not mechuyiv because they're not on If they decide they don't want to work for a living, the Allah says that they're not on the. You're not mechuyiv to give stock in such a situation. The Gemara in Pirkei Avos in the first parak, they quote the Hillel, I think, is saying the Ishtamish b'togo chalof. The person who uses the Bartunur has different interpretations what it means, but the Gemara understands. The Gemara takes this Mishnah. Togo means keser teira. A person who says, I'm a big Tamachacham, and you have to support me because of Kavad Atar. So that's what the Mishnah says. Such a person deserves to die. The Ishtamish Batoga, he uses the Keser Hatara. He claims that uh, out of Kavad Atar, you have to support me. So Chalaf, he doesn't deserve uh, uh, to live. And the Gemara comments on the Pasik that Moshe Rabbeinu says he talked in Israel, all the Dinim, Reilim Artias, Mechukim, Mishpotim, Kashet Sibani, Hashem, Alokoi. So the simple pshat is that I transmitted all the halachas to the Bnei Yisrael. The Rabbani Shalom commanded me to teach you the Torah. And I listened to the Rabbani Shalom and I did teach you the Torah. That's a simple pshat. The Gemara has that there's an additional level of interpretation in the Pasuk. I taught you the Torah in the same way that God taught me the Torah. Just like when I was in Hasina, God didn't charge me tuition. So when I taught you, So I taught you the Torah in the same fashion that the Rabbani Shalom taught me. The Gemara says you're not allowed to take any salary for teaching Torah. The, so the Gemara says, so how can any Rebbe and any Yeshiva, how can any Rabbi and any Shul take any salary? So the Gemara says, he's not really taking salary for teaching Torah, or for giving the Shiurim, or for giving the Drushes and the Shul, that he does for nothing. He takes salary not to take another job. If, he, if he's going to take another job, how's he going to have time to be able to teach Torah? So you have to pay the Rabbi, so he really teaches Torah for nothing, and the salary that he gets is and then the Gemara explains that there's a Chumim with the Rabbanon, the whole discussion in the end of Masechus Ksubis, there's a Chumim with the Rabbanon, that the rabbis are only permitted to take Shabbatol and Demuchach. If it's obvious to everybody that uh, they're being salaried not to take another job, but if it's not so obvious, let's say a Rebbe has a job, I have a full-time job in Yeshiva, so I'm, I'm salaried fully. And then someone invites me to go give a Shia somewhere. So the Allah says, I'm not allowed to ask for any salary. Well, what's Shabbatol? I make... I'm already salaried full time. They already paid me. Yeshiva already paid me not to take any job. If people want to pay me money, I'll take it. Okay, but I'm not allowed to ask. I'm not allowed to ask for any money. You're not allowed to ask for money for teaching Torah. In such a situation, it's not at all schabatol. Schabatol is they pay me not to take a job. So I talk, don't take a job, and I'm already salaried not to take a job. The Rambam quotes all this in Hilchas Tamatera. And he comes down very harshly against those in his generation. It was in every generation, before the days of the Ram, after the days of the Ram. Ram comes very harshly against those who were uh, demanding of the Jewish community that they have to be supported because of the fact that the God's gift to the world, the big Tamir Chachamim, and you have to support them. So the Ram says that all of this is against the Allah, they're not allowed to ask for any salary. 
Rabbi Yosef Kara has in his commentary on the side of the page of the Rambam in the Kesef Mishnah, he says, but today all the rabbis do take a salary. So he says, what can we do? We're, we're, it's Chabatola. He refers you to the Gemara in the end of Ksuba. Some of the salary is Chabatola, not all of it. So he says, in a certain sense, maybe the rabbis who are being salaried are partially in violation of this din. But the Kesef Mishnah says, what can we do? And he quotes the Pasuk, Sometimes we have to violate the laws of the Torah if you're not going to salary Rabbanim. So who's going to... In the days of the Tanaim, it was unusual. They had Rabbi Yechanan Asandler, they had shoemakers, they had tailors, they had, uh, they had uh, blacksmiths. There were Tanaim who worked for a living. And the Ramah gives you a whole list, all the Tanaim who worked for a living. And in addition, they were able... They were so successful in learning, they were able to become Tanaim. So because Mishnah of Yasukai writes in our generation, if you're going to tell every time Chacham you should make a living and not take any salary at all, so you're not going to have real time in Chacham, they won't know how to learn, so that it'll be a disaster for, for Klaus Yisrael. So because Mishnah says that uh, as a temporary measure, uh, we have no choice, so we violate a little bit this Yes, so this we can understand uh, if, let's say, Yeshiva University has a smicha program. And we have a, uh, several kolalim. So the yeshiva feels that this is an investment for the future of Kalal Yisrael. We need Rabbonim, we need Tamir Chachamim. So we encourage young people to take money, not that the students are coming and asking the administration for, uh, for money. The administration is asking the talented students to join these programs as an investment for the future of Kalal Yisrael. We want a salary people that they should learn three years, five years, ten years, whatever it is, and then become leaders of the Jewish community. So that's what the Kesem Mishnah says. A little bit, we are in violation. But that's only by Medvam Amorim. If you're going to have people who are talented, they're cut out for learning, and we feel that this is a good investment for the future of Klal Yisrael, the Klal Yisrael wants to give them the money. But not that they're going to come and say, I'm sitting and learning, you have to support me. I don't, we don't have to support everyone who wants to sit and learn. We, on our own, we want to support those who are going to be effective leaders in Klali Sol. Not everybody's going to be an effective leader. I remember many years ago, the first time I visited, I was married a few years, we had no children, so we decided we were going to visit Eretz Yisrael, and then we were blessed with all of our nine children. So at that time, my father-in-law had, uh, my father-in-law had learned in Europe, in the Miri Yeshiva, and all of his chaverim was still alive in Eretz Yisrael. He said, we should visit this one, that one, the other one, the other one. So that was enough to cover every Shabbos, uh, all summer long. All the Shabbos and all the meals were covered, just visiting all of his friends. The man on Shabbos morning after Musaf, we ate by Rav Shmuel Razovsky. He was so excited to see my father-in-law's children, and they all wanted to know how did he, how did he survive the war, how did he run away from the Nazis, everyone wanted to know. So I remember I was telling Rav Shmuel, they wanted to know, what do I do? I had the colonels. They wanted to know, there's a colonel and why are you? What do they do? What do they learn? What's the system? So we told them that we have a colonel, we give exams, and if a guy doesn't do well, we tell him, go somewhere else. And uh, those who succeed, they do well one year, two years, three years, okay. So then sometimes keep a boy on four years, five years, if he's really talented. Now, isn't it? If he's not so talented, we don't. He said, that's the way it should be. He said, he's been fighting for years in Panovich. He was one of the main Rosh Hashim in Panovich. He says, he's been fighting for years. They keep people on in Panovich forever and ever, amen. And he thinks that it's terrible. He says, he thinks that you should take everybody into the Kerlo for the first year after they get married. Until they get married, they don't give money. And it's over to single people. So he said, till they get married, they're not so serious. After they get married, you give them one year in the curl. And if they don't shape up at the end of the year, someone has to give them a pechina. If they don't shape up, see, tell me, you're wasting your time, go somewhere else. He doesn't, he, do, he doesn't, he didn't approve of the system. 
He says, but they don't listen to me here. The other uh, members of Nahanola don't listen to me. That's what Allah says. You're not supposed you're not, you're not to support all, all of these people who made a decision. They don't want to work for a living. If it's a good investment on behalf of Kuala Yisrael, so then we do it. But uh, it's not necessarily always such a good, such a good investment. Some people have a strange attitude that uh, they're not going to work for a living because it's a very high madrega of Yerushalayim or Bitochan or whatever, whatever you'll call it, to lead a life of poverty. Is there such a thing? Is there such a mitzvah to lead? They got it from the Mishnah in Perkyovis when the Mishnah says, Kachi Darka Shaltara, Spas Lamelach Techel, Bamaimas, Bamasuratish, the Balhorat's Tishan, Vachai Tzartichia, and so on. So the Rishonim and that Mishnah have a machlekes, how do you read the Mishnah? So here for the Rishonim interpret, Kachi Darka Shaltara, one is obligated to learn Torah even if he's so poor that all he has is pas ma'melech tochel ma'may ma'msura tishta even under such difficult circumstances he's still mechuyiv to learn Torah to the best of your ability. Other Rishonim interpret no that this is the recommended way but still they don't say that it's a mitzvah to lead a life of poverty they just say they think it's a mitzvah to cut down on luxuries one should not splurge and, and, and uh, get used to a very um, a luxurious style of living, Melech, you should cut down on everything, not to be taken literally, but, uh, but it doesn't mean to lead a life of poverty. Abdi Rabbi, the Gemara has halachas, based on the premise, the Pasuk that says, one has to see to it that he does not become poor. There's a din, you're not allowed to become poor. This attitude that it's a mitzvah to be poor, this is a Christian attitude. Absolutely, you can rush as used to point this out. This comes from the Christians. There are certain Christian... Um, sex where their clergymen have to take an oath of poverty. They have to swear that they're going to be poor during their lifetime. So by they said, we never had such a thing. It's a mile of to lead a life of poverty. Rabbi was a wealthy man. The Gemara talks about the, the, a lot of Tanaim and Amr, who wealthy people. They didn't give away all of their money to be poor. Sinishkin Mila, Sinishkin Madrega. Rabbi Ranasi was extremely wealthy, but he didn't eat all those things that he put on the table. He, he, when he was about to die, the Muslims, he lifted up his ten figures, and he says he was never in any many of this. But there's no mitzvah to lead a life of poverty. Other a Jew has to make a living, has to see to it that he doesn't become poor. The Gemara has a din You're not allowed to give away more than twenty. If a person earns a normal parnas, if a person is a multimillionaire, he's allowed to give more than twenty percent for charity. Uh, I give. I'm not a. I teach him. I'm not a multimillionaire. I give way. I give way more than 20% for stock every year. But uh, the Gemara says a person who doesn't teach for why you a person doesn't make so much money. So the Gemara says he makes a normal panos. He's not allowed to give more than 20%. Why sheme yayoni? He eats tarach labrias. He may himself become poor, and he'll have to collect stock. So what kind of a chokhm is that? He should give stock in order that he should become poor. That's foolish. The Allah says you're not allowed to do anything that will cause you to become poor. The Ramam has the famous Igeris Teiman. The Ramam lived in Egypt, so he was asked to, psychoanal- to psychoanalyze Amishugana in Teiman with long distance, without ever seeing him. So there was a Jewish man who came to Teiman, and he was trying to sell the people a bill of goods that he's the Melech HaMashiach. So they so described, the people in Teiman sent a letter to the Ramam describing everything that he's, this uh, character said, and he did. And they asked him, is it, do you think there's really the Melech HaMashiach? So he said, of course not, the man's HaMashugana. He was preaching to the people they should give away all of their earnings to charity. So he said, that's against the halacha. The Mishnah says, you're not allowed to give. You're not allowed to give all of your earnings. You're not allowed to give more than 20% for Tzedakah Shem Eri Yonim Tzedakah. He says, the Melech HaMashiach is going to tell the people to do an Avera. 
He's obviously not the Melech HaMashiach, he's a crackpot. That's what the Ramam writes. In our religion, there is no such thing against being wealthy. The Gemara has it been, HaKoyin HaGodol Me'echov Gadlehu Mishalechov. The Gemara says, when you appoint a Koyin Godol, so you have to enrich him. The other Koyinim have to give him a lot of money, a high salary, in order that he should uh, command the respect of the other Koyinim. We want, not only Koyin Godol should be responsible for everything that's going on in the Beis Amigdash, he should be respected by the other people. So in order to gain the respect of the other Kohanim, the Gemara says you have to give him a lot of money. That's, uh, the Gemara tells a story in Tainus. Ilfa and Rabbi Echanan were learning by Harusa in the Beis Medrash. And they were very, very poor. They had no, uh, hardly had any, had any uh, money. So they both decided they're going to leave the Beis Medrash, go into business. So as they, they traveled, they took some sandwiches with them and they were traveling. And then uh, they had traveled a couple of hours, so they sat down, they washed and they're going to eat the sandwiches. So they sat down, the Gemara says, under a bridge. And all of a sudden, Rabbi Yechina heard some voices. He heard the angels speaking to each other. Do you see these two guys? They left the yeshiva. They stopped learning. We're going to kill them. They deserve the death penalty because they, they left her. We're going to kill them. So Rabbi Yechina says to Ilfid, did you hear that? So Ilfid is eating a sandwich. We hear what? I didn't hear anything. What did you hear? So Rabbi Yechina realized that there must be that this is a message for him and not to his friend, that they, they let him hear what the angel said, that he should go back to learn in yeshiva, and his friend Ilfa should travel around the world and make money. So the Gemara says that Rabbi Yechanan told his buddy, his Chavrus Ilfa, I changed my mind, I'll go back to the yeshiva, so I'll remain a poor man. You travel around the world, you make a million dollars. So they parted ways, Rabbi Yechanan went back to the yeshiva, and Ilfa went traveling around the world, made a lot of money, comes back to the yeshiva, look, who, look what happened, the Rosh Yeshiva passed away, and they appointed his Chavrus Rabbi Yechanan, became the Rosh Yeshiva. My Chavrusa is the Rosh Hashiva. So he, so he says to everybody, I know how to learn as much as he does. I learned for Chavrusa with him. So, he, so Ilfa says, tell me any din that Rabbi Yechanan said. He was only reciting Mishnayis as he was traveling around the world. Rabbi Yechanan was gaining more knowledge. He was learning more prices not included in the Mishnayis. Ilfa was a Balabas now. He's only learning Mishnayis. So Rabbi Yechanan is learning prices. You know, how, how, to understand, how to understand the Mishnayis, the ins and the outs of the Mishnayis. So Ilfa says, tell me any din that Rabbi Yechanan said, and I'll show you that it all appears in the Mishnahs. So most of the dinim that they told him, they heard from Yechanan. He was able to prove from a Mishnah, but then they stumped him. There were some dinim that he, that he didn't, he couldn't figure out from the Mishnahs. So then the, the Gemara says, Ilfa traveled around the world and he was Isaac in business and he became a wealthy man. Rabbi Yechanan stayed in Yeshiva and they made him wealthy. Because Rashi, in the, in the Pirish Rashi, it's not by Rashi Antinus, it's by someone else, so the Pirish Rashi Antinus writes, when they appoint a person as the Rosh Hashiva, just like they have to enrich the Kangodon, in order that he should be command the respect of the other Kohanim, so too they're supposed to enrich the Rosh Hashiva. The Rosh Hashiva means the head of the Yeshiva, in order that all of the Balabatim should have respect for the, for the Rosh Hashiva. This is quoted in Yerodeya. The Shach in Yerodeya, Hilchus Hamutar, quotes this from the Bach, that there's a mitzvah to enrich the Rosh Hashiva. The Rosh Hashiva is not supposed to tell this to the, to the Balabatim. The Bal- the, some say if it has a tshuva, Balabatim are supposed to understand this on their own. It's, that's a bizarre natur, the Rosh Hashiva should demand of the Balabatim that they should enrich him. But the Balabatim should understand on their own that they're supposed to do that. There is no such thing in our religion that, uh, that there's a mitzvah to be poor. This is a ridiculous attitude. And people have a, a read, just on Friday, someone was asking me, Ashaila, he, he tells me in advance, he's going to ask several Rabbanim, so I shouldn't feel insulted if he hears that he's not going to listen to me. He says, it's a matter of policy that's relevant to a lot of people. What's Ashaila? He has children who live in Lakewood who don't earn a living. 
and he has a normal job, this rabbi, and he gives, I don't know, $1,000 a month, $1,000 a year, I don't know how much he gives, $1,000 to the children, and they don't pay any taxes, because they don't earn enough to, they make bupkis, they make nothing, so they have to give my sechsachim, so from the $1,000 that he gives them, every month or every year, whatever, they give 10% to tzedakah. But since they're not paying taxes anyway, so if they make out the check uh, for $100 out of 1000 they might off him, so they can't use it as a tax deduction. So he wants to know, is there anything wrong if he'll give them $900 and the last $100 bill, the last $100, he'll make out the check to his doctor. Will they be out to the mitzvah of my sixth So I said, your children are not mechayif to give my sixth They don't earn a living. They're living off of your matanas. So only give them nine hundred. They only need nine hundred dollars to live. So give them nine hundred dollars. Don't give the hundred dollars. That's your stock. And I'm no, a bug in the head. No, they don't earn a penny. They don't earn any money at all. And they're taxing their parents that the, the parents should give them more money. In order that they should be able to give my son. This is shtus for heaven. I remember when I was a Talmud in the yeshiva. When the boys would get married in the Kurlis and the Majbiyat Sahan Rabbi Lesson would always walk over to them and give them a second week, third week after they get married, so you give them two instructions. The first instruction would be make sure you take your wife for a walk once in a while. He thought that it's like in Slavotkin, that the boys are going to sit and learn, no one's going to spend any time with them. I say, the first instruction was make sure you spend some time with your wife, you take her for a walk once in a while. Second instruction was don't you dare give my sex off him. You just be. Matriach, your parents are your witness to give you more support because the boys didn't have any money to live on. There's no din of my sechsofim. You live in a cockeyed world. They think there's no mitzvah to earn a living. And when you're not earning a living, there's a mitzvah to give my sechsofim on the money that you didn't earn. On the stocker that they gave you. There is no such thing. There is no such thing. The Jews always believed that uh, there's no mitzvah to be poor. Jews always made a decent living. And that's why the Jews in the Middle Ages and before they always went to schooling, if you get decent schooling, you'll be able to have anumnus nikia v'kala to make up a kabbadik panasa. Why should I be a mail carrier? Why should I be a garbage collector? If I'll, do a, if I'll go into a panasa that you, have, that you need more education for, so that's what the Gemara refers to as an umnis nikia bekalos. You have more time to learn. So that's uh, throughout the history of the Jewish people. That was always the practice. They never sat and learned all day and all night. The Abedatam also made a living. Rashi made a living. They all made a living. Everybody made a living. Everybody made a decent parnosa. And then in those generations, when it was possible to make an umnis nikia bekal, to make a decent, a clean, nice parnosa without working too hard by having more education. So they're all, the Jews always opted to have more education to make a decent parnasa. All of these attitudes came from the, from the Christians, from the Oiv de Abedizar. So the kids say, is there a mitzvah to make a living? Absolutely there's a mitzvah to make a living. Is there a mitzvah to get stuck into people who have this bug in their head, they don't want to make a living? Nishke mitzvah? I'm not mechoyev. If the fellow decides he makes himself poor, so that's the premise of the discussion of Abedizar, that there's no mitzvah to get stuck. Is nishke nani? And Ani is a person who is a, a Rahmanist that he's poor. But if it's, a, if it's his own fault that he's poor, there's no mitzvah of A lot of times the, these people are in such a rut, they're in such a blood that it's mamish of nefesh. Okay, so that kvach nefesh is a different thing. The holding by, by drowning, so you have to do something to save their lives. But to continue, this system that we should keep on funding people, giving tzedakah to people, who don't who made up their minds they don't want to earn a living that's not a mitzvah stuff there's no such mitzvah stuff this I think is the Jewish attitude this always was the Jewish attitude thank you very much <laughs>